everybody. This is Belgarian and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgarian series of books by David Eddings. Welcome to season three, episode nine. This season, we're reading book three, Magician's Gambit. And today we're diving into chapter eight. My name is Sandra Turnbull. I'm from the Goddess Kindled Universe. And this week I have been um, a therapist to myself and that's it. (laughs) I love the face. Um, I'm Alicia. I'm a fantasy author and that's about it. That's how I sum myself up now. Nice. Oh, we've claimed it. If you were listening to, if you've listened to last, I week's... might do some other things after that fact, but uh-huh. I'm a fantasy author. Oh, I like <laughs> that. You Solid. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Two feet on the ground. Well done. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Welcome good. to another show, everyone. Oh, it's been a week. So, yeah. You do your cup first because we already talked a lot about me and our pre-conversation. Okay. So go ahead. Okay, so in my in my potion cup this week, it feels like I'm drinking the ocean, the entire ocean, all of them, all of them, because I keep choking. I'm pretty sure I'm drowning. I'm quite lost and um, I suspect that uh, my over-the-top excitement of last week, remember I was really like feeling the power last week? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I was talking to my wife about it and I'm I'm like, it's almost like the forward momentum was so huge that the backwash has come around <laughs> and mm. just dumped me. Um, yeah. Because, you know, the extra work that I took on, remember? Very excited. Yeah. I was having such a great time. Such a great time. Yeah. Um, and I tend to get very tunnel visioned and hyper-focused on the thing mm. that's exciting me. And I do that to the exclusion of everything else. So there's no balance. And that's what I did. And I just kind of, it's like I had no fuel left. So I got to Sunday and we went and had the evening with friends on Saturday night. And it was quite late. Like by the time we got to bed, it was 3 a.m. or something, which is usual for those nights. And it's not like we had to do anything on Sunday. So we had a nice lazy day, but I just, I had no more fuel left in my tank at all. Sorry, hold on. That's okay. What's happening? There's, oh my gosh. What's going on? Sorry. A phone call came in as the dentist office. Since my phone's connected to these two, <laughs> that kind of cut you off for a second. And then my iTunes on my computer just started playing a Moana song. <laughs> like, your, your iTunes has done that a few times. Like, started know, playing. It song. always pops Moana first, too. <laughs> I love it. I just must love Moana. 
Oh, I've got to say, I've got to tell you too, last week's audio was perfect. I hardly had to change anything. So I don't know what you did or what microphone you're using or whatever, but it was really good. I didn't change anything. Well, I wonder if (laughs) Zoom in all of their updating with all of the work from home stuff has jigged something because the audio was excellent. Good. Yeah, because I didn't do anything different. Okay. So anyway, where was I? Oh, you're drowning. So... Yeah, so I overestimate my capability. I don't overestimate my ability. I am able to do all of the things that I do. But my capacity, I overestimate my capacity to do all of the things that I want to do because I want to do them at the same time. And that just doesn't work because of the way that I am so hyper-focused on the thing that excites me. And I just, um, um, the ideas and the way that I see everything all the time, like the way that things split out into webs of connection, to the connectivity that I see all the time, the ideas that manifest all the time, and the excitement that I feel about a project that grabs my attention. All of this stuff is going on. And and so I don't manage that very well for myself. And so consequently, come Sunday, I was, I was just, I had no impetus to do anything. I had no momentum. I had... I had a heavy kind of feeling. And then Monday, I was really very cruel to myself. Like my internal monologue was just vile. And I seriously wouldn't talk to my worst enemy this way ever. Like I was horrible to myself. I wasn't worth anything. You know, it was just a waste of, basically a waste. I've got to the point where I was just a waste of space. I was a waste of space and there was no worth and no value. And it's just like after the conversation that we were having last week, that's not, this is not, this is like not fake. This is not me bunging anything on. That's how I was then. And this is how I am now. And I've been just I had I had a, probably a, day, a full day and a half where um, I was I was just wasn't capable of doing anything except try to escape this cruel voice in my head telling me how worthless I was, and then I gradually went into emergency self care mode and I did the things that I know help me process this stuff, the things that help me stop running away from the voice and turn and have a, like a an interaction with it so I get yeah. soft the things that help me get soft the things that help me put into words the way that I'm feeling so things like I create inspirational quotes the reason that I do it is because I need to hear that whatever it is you know, that little bit of truth. Um, and so if you follow my Goddess Kindled Universe Facebook page, you'll see 
there are a couple of like um, quotes that I created just in the last few days to help me through, like to coach myself through this crap. And so, um, you know, I'd be drawing and painting and because, because that helps me just soften into being with myself, stop running away, trying to get away from myself. And, and I think that I may just have burned myself out. And that's really hard for me to say because I feel like I need to be able to, I'm capable of doing everything. And as I was saying before, I'm capable of it, but I don't have the capacity to do the amount that, you know. Yeah. Was it mostly the consulting job that was too much work on in addition to what you were doing or? Well, I think that that's the thing that pushed me over because that took me into my hyper-focused hyper mm -hmm. mode and everything else kind of fell by the wayside. But then as I came back from that, um, and I had a couple of shocks to do with that, like miscommunication and... Um, no acknowledgement for the work that I'd done when I expected to receive it. And so that was, um, that's hard for me. Like I, that's something that I need. I need to be acknowledged and valued. Um, that's just part of my currency. That's part of my emotional currency. I require that to work at my optimal levels and I didn't receive it. And I couldn't give it to myself because I was so depleted. Yeah. Um, so that was really hard. And and to top it off, my right hand, it's like started burning. Did I talk about that at all? No. So my right hand um, has been like burning like tendonitis, like it's inflamed in there. My clicky hand, <laughs> you know, my scrolling finger, yeah. my clicky hand. Yeah. Um, and, and that began the day that I accepted the, um, consulting job. Hmm. Interesting. I know. Interesting. Considering, yeah. The prophecy speaks that you had last week too. Makes it even more interesting. It does. I was trying to remember what it was, but we'll talk about that when we get to prophecy speaks maybe. Okay. I can't remember. I mean, I can't, I can check back, but I'll check in. I'll do a check in. Um, but yeah. yeah, so, so that's my potion. <laughs> it's mm. weak. Yeah. That's hard. Have mm. you decided if you're going to let the consulting job go? No, I'll finish it because I've done Was most it short of it. term. Yeah. It's not oh, an ongoing okay. thing. So I'll, I'll stick with that, but I'm, I'm, the other thing that I so don't laser focus on it, right? Just... No, don't laser focus. I'm trying to, you know, I want to get back into writing. I want that to be my focus. Yes. And I've been in a goddess course in miracles now for almost two years. And I'm definitely, I can say that I am burnt out in that project. And yeah. I've been pushing myself to continue, to continue, to continue, because I feel like I have made commitments to people that I must fulfill. And that's, um, I've been really hard on myself about that. And I'm still not 
I'm still not worked my way through it, but I feel I think I'm going to need to step back. Yeah. Uh, from from that project um, mm-hmm. more than I have done. Like I've tried to ease the pressure on myself by um, cutting back the weekly meeting to the fort, to a fortnightly meeting, but even that is too much. It requires too much focus, energy, like engaged attention on my part that I just don't have to give at the moment. And so I cancelled the meeting on Monday because of that, because I just didn't feel capable of holding the space to teach the content. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm... I think I know what I have to do, but I'm scared. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to do it. Knowing, knowing the women in the group well enough, I can pretty much say with confidence that if you decide to do that and then make that announcement, you will be completely supported in it. Yeah. There will be nothing of, you know, feeling like they've been let down or anything like that. Yeah, I think so. I've honestly been stepping away from calls a lot too. And like the last two I couldn't attend because something else was happening. Um, And I had to just let myself say, okay, well, this is happening here right now. I have to be here right now. I can't go sit on a call. Yeah. Yeah. And the other calls that I was trying to be a part of, I just dropped because I had no, like, there are calls I, I can enjoy. It's, it's, it recenters me. Yeah, I can't but give there's... this up. This is like really crucial to my well being. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I even mean the, the Goddess Course of Miracle ones. I even, oh, those, yeah. if I attend them, I always feel like centered after. But mostly, if it's not uh, you or Christy on a Zoom call, I leave it just feeling like, Crap because oh, it was yeah. an hour of my time for what to listen yeah. to somebody else tell me what I should be doing with my life oh wow well. You know? well that's thank you I appreciate that feedback yeah um and I mean it's not that the stuff the content will be available next next year if people really want it they can get, get it yeah um and that's the thing too is you can just tell all of us and say you can finish it off on your own this year, restart it completely guided next year. Yeah. Beginning to end. I really need the I time. Think, if I don't take the time off, I will not be capable at all to deliver yeah. this in any capacity next year. Yeah. Anyway. So I've been drinking out of this potion cup for about 20 minutes. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. Sometimes we need a little bit more. Hmm. I'm starting to feel sweaty in my house. Oh, it's um, hot. Well, that's part of my potion cup. Um, is I guess I'll just move into mine. But yeah, the first thing is that yeah, the heat we had Saturday and Sunday, and I know you don't know uh, Fahrenheit, but it was a hundred and fifteen degrees. That sounds like it's a lot. We don't usually get that here. That's usually in the desert, like where my family lives in Blythe, California. And so, of course, what happens the first day? The fire starts. It was up in the mountains. So where 
we're good right now. Um, but it's burned. I checked this morning. It has burned 15,000 acres. Oh my goodness. I can't, I couldn't believe that. Um, and it's still going strong. It's 11% contained. I'm sure. Yeah, everything is so dry because we have bad drought. You know, when was the last time we've seen rain here? I don't even know. Really? And yeah. And so the heat, like that comes with just enough wind and poof, yeah. it just goes. Yeah. So that has makes like it, like the sky has had this orange tint because all the smoke is coming to us. Like we're safe, which I'm so grateful for, but we're getting all the smoke. All the sunrises and sunsets have like this crazy, creepy tint. I got wow. a picture. I'll, I'll have to send you the picture. You can post it somewhere. Or yeah, I can just post I, yeah, it dude, in the group. Send us the picture. I'll put it in the um, show notes. I took a picture of the sun. Something. Yeah, a couple evenings ago, because the smoke was just so thick on, over my house, and the sun was like this blood red. It was it was so beautiful, but like really unnerving. Sometimes. Oh no, you post post it in the post in the group. Yeah, I will. So that that's been happening. Um, but my cup, I'm gonna say it's my turn to say I've been drinking the crystal water because. <laughs> If you guys listened to the end of the episode, Sandra showed me how to do the crystal water where I actually put, I used an amethyst crystal in, in my water and I did like a little meditation. And then the first time I, I had a drink of the water, um, I, I went about my day for a couple of hours. I got the kids at school, came home. They were already planning to have dinner with my parents. So it worked out because all of a sudden dizziness just hit me. And I knew it was a different dizziness than what I usually experience. I'm like, this is, and then I remembered the water and I was like, oh my gosh, something's happening. So I just went and sat outside and like breathed through it for about 30, maybe 40 minutes. And I was just staring like out into the sky and there's some trees in the view there. And all of a sudden, um, all of these little orbs showed up <laughs> everywhere everywhere i looked they were just in and i felt like i could just reach out and touch them and i could just feel the universe kind of telling me just let go you know this dizziness is only because there's some resistance in you from what you asked for <laughs> and, the, yeah. and, the, and you drank the water and you want it to come through but you're still resisting so the yep. dizziness is manifesting and so when I was out there, I, I actually cleared the dizziness. Mm. And then I came back in, though, my kids came home and it kind of started to come back. So I realized that my kids are a big trigger for me and taking me out of presence. And mm -hmm. I don't want it to be that way because they're mm -hmm. my kids. They're always here. Yeah. I have to be able to remain present when they're around. Yeah. That's really impacting my, not just manifesting, but my well being. Yeah. of being who I really want to be because then yeah. I fall into mother mode and that's not who I want to be. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be that kind of a mother mm -hmm. that's nagging, like nagging or complaining because they're not doing this or that. Or they're not listening. And then I get in a bad mood and I want to break that cycle. So I felt like I really had a, like a deep connection with the universe in that moment though. Mm -hmm. um, and it made me realize 
something that I really want to release with me and my children. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was good. I'm still working towards that. Yeah. Um, because I, this is, we talked about a lot of this more personal, but I I've been having a lot of challenges as a mom, you know, just as you do raising kids in this kind of a world. But, um, I think I, I build up guilt on myself that it's yeah. my fault. She's, it's my fault. They're doing this. It's yeah. my fault. They're acting this way, yeah. but it's, it's really not like I I've set the foundations. I've told them what is, what is good and what is really not appropriate or something you should be doing for this age. And then it's kind of up to them to choose to listen or not. Yeah. I can and it still. Really, that's really true. That little statement just said a whole lot. It really is yeah. not something that you can control. You can't control their choices. Yeah. And that's what I'm, re I'm realizing that. And she's, you know, my oldest is 10 and I already see her as her own. They always are their own person, but now she's already like, she's ready to just really be independent. And so she's really not, like, she thinks she is and she yeah. makes you, she wants to make you think that she is, but she's really not like, <laughs> and, and, and it's hard to believe it. Mm -hmm because they're so convincing and they're so very good at being mature when they want to be like when they, she's mature <laughs> well thinking they are and like yeah. but mm -hmm. th that doesn't that the guidance you provide your children that doesn't ever stop yeah right i know that i'm always going to be there for that stuff you know to kind of just be like how about this way a little bit <laughs> yeah. you know like and that's, no, no that's really all you can do <laughs> yeah and so that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to find that balance of being able to do that without letting it get inside of me and make festering feelings in me but mm. make me feel like I'm the bad person or something yeah <laughs> so there's there's that you know I I have been getting back into my writing, mm -hmm. which has been really good. Last week, and I said it was super challenging. Um, and I realized why, though. I realized why, because number one, I am no longer this person that I created the story around. Mm -hmm. So I'm having to go back into this place yeah. to finish it. Yeah. But it also mirrors some closure that I'm now working towards, as you know, in my life. Fantastic. So, um, and well, it's interesting. It's the, but that's, that is interesting. Like the whole point of a story is to take a character through transformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do see um, Eva, the main character. I, I do see how she's going to end being closer to who I am now, but she's still mm -hmm. not going to be, um, she's not going to really be there completely. No, it's no, no. not the point. The point was for me at that time to move out of that darkness I was yeah. in like 10 years ago. Yeah. And I have, I yeah. have. And now ending this story is kind of going to just, I think, help me seal up those last mm. little bits that are still lingering. And, and they do, they just. The, you have all of the benefits of hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's challenging me. And okay. that, and I realized I, 
I, I can do a much better job creating characters now than I did. Ooh, that's fun. It's but so sometimes you get to see your growth. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sitting here writing the character. I'm writing these scenes, and I'm like, sometimes I get bored with the character. I'm like, why did I make? There's like nothing distinct about you, and it's my own fault. No, I'm gonna have so much fun, and that's why I say my next characters are gonna be so colorful. They're all almost gonna be offensive. <laughs> Well, you know, because isn't it your fun. job as an artist to trigger some kind of emotional response? Yeah. And I, I always enjoyed being a little bit offensive at times, you know, and um, there's, I mean, there's... Yeah, but like Lucifer, but I see you put Lucifer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the... there are, there's a, a particular character in the last season of Lucifer that I just oh. watched, season four, who me I just <laughs> hated them hated them from start to finish just wanted just so if a show can do that to me if a character can yeah. make me hate them that much that's a good job mm -hmm. right and I, I love the characters like Lucifer is a good example because he's kind of one of those um where He's supposed to be the bad guy, but then he's really not. I already finished season one. Yeah. I already finished the whole first season. Um, it's good. And yeah, you know, I was a little bit yeah. in the beginning. I was I like, know. oh, this is a this is a cop show. Yeah, I always I don't really stop go watching it. Yeah, I don't go for cop shows really much. Um, but when it started talking about his wings and. His brother came in, his brother brought that dude back to life. I was kind of like, okay, now yeah. it's getting a little bit more like my style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then as I got deeper into his um, story, it was like, okay, I'm really liking what they're doing with this. It is, it is really, um, like, I, <laughs> we're up to season five, just started season five. And I'm like... There already are five seasons? Yeah. I've wow. just started season five. And there was a big gap between season four and season five. I didn't think that we didn't know that if there was going to be a season five, uh -huh. but the fans really wanted one. So they came back. <laughs> um, but I, I, um, the whole, like the philosophy, like the, the spiritual philosophy underpinning the show is like, oh yeah, there's like, mm -hmm. like you could take it really, like it's really something to think to think about it. it mirrors a lot of yeah the stuff that I teach and talk about yeah. and it's just you know that's yeah that's what I was already starting to see I just like I really I really love the perspective of Lucifer is not the one who creates the suffering humans yeah. create the suffering for themselves yes Lucifer simply punishes the ones who end up in hell mm -hmm. which I still don't really believe in hell <laughs> No, but, but the whole, the whole, it's, it's a great, oh, I really like the show. Anyway. Yeah, it's good. So that's, that's mine. I'll cut it there. <laughs> it's been a long intro. It's been a long intro, but just, you know, I'll put a reminder at the start of the show. You, I always put the times of the segments in the yeah. extended show notes on the website. So you can always skip to the segment that you want. Yes, that's super helpful. 
Okay. I'm excited to talk about this chapter, though. Uh Uh-huh. Garion's view, please. (laughs) All right. So as they continue on their adventure, they go up into the mountains, and it's super icy and windy, and the horse is about to give birth. So they're all kind of panicking. Um, And then... (laughs) Garion has one of his moments that he can't explain and he starts to remember there's a cave up there. He leads them to it. He knows how to open the door using the little white, um, what do they call it, the on his hand, the white thingy. The mark on his palm. The mark, there you go. And inside it's, um, Wolf has explained that this is like where the gods used to meet when they were planning the world and making their creations and stuff. So there's just, you know, they see the spring and some other things inside the table with the fruit. And then the bear, the horse gives birth. And um, Garion, after they think the mare has died, he is able to save it and bring it back to life. The cult. The cult. Um, oh yes, and Mandarellen has, there's a cool conversation with him about fear. Yep. I liked that. Yep. Um, yep. And I think that's it. Pretty much. Sum up. <laughs> okay, get into the chapter. Yeah. Uh, chapter eight. Yeah, so, so they're heading, this. they're going um, up into the mountains. And this snowstorm's getting worse and worse and worse. And as you say, Heta sort of comes forward and tells Mr. Wolf that the pregnant mare's in trouble. Her time is getting close. And then Paul goes back to have a look and she's like, yeah, she's, just, uh, she's only got a few hours. Now, I have a question. Yeah. The last chapter, <laughs> the last chapter, Heta be- became aware that the mare was pregnant. Mm-hmm. It seemed like this was the first that he had known about it. So I have a, I have a few questions. Between the last week, him becoming aware that the mare is pregnant, and this week where she's like, the birth is imminent, I don't know how long a horse is pregnant for, but if he is hooked into the horses as a group mind, wouldn't he know if one of the mares were pregnant? <laughs> yeah. You'd think so. And so and so I was just pulled out of the story a little bit by that. It jarred me like if he's only just found out that she's pregnant and now the horse is giving birth. They've only been travelling for a cup for like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. I just true. thought that that was badly timed in the narrative. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't think of it, but that is true. I think because I went a week in between reading the chapters, it didn't, um, Me too. Didn't hit. Yeah. But there's that, that, I there's think that since... time elapsed. Yeah, that time elapsed between the read. Yeah. We sort of add the time into the, into the narrative by the way that we space it out, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, well, maybe not. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she was further along pregnant in the last chapter and Well no no she no, she was. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like she was right. further along. 
like obviously but it just doesn't seem believable to me that Hetar wouldn't have known that she was that far along. The way that it was, the way that I interpreted the story was that he had just found out that she was pregnant. The mayor was nervous. And yeah. um, like, because it was her first pregnancy and mm-hmm. she he didn't like, he was worried about her carrying stuff. And like, yeah, okay, that was that was fine. But at the time, I wouldn't have thought that she was close to giving birth if he's just finding out because I would have thought that he would know pretty close to, quite yeah. apart from the physical changes in a beast when it's got a huge <laughs> freaking baby horse in its belly. Right. Yeah, I didn't think of it, but it could be almost like a plot hole, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I think so. Everybody has them. Oh no, no, I know. And I'm not. I'm. I'm really not interested in pulling apart the manuscript. But I just noticed that it kind of it jarred me this time. Yeah. I have to say that out loud because I know that mine probably have plot holes too. So it makes me feel better to know, like, (laughs) J.K. Rowling has plot holes. (laughs) And 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 David Eddings has plot holes. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> we all do. We we put like I even I still do. Like there there are some authors that I just put up on a pedestal and say, like, Oh my god, they're an author. Forgetting yeah. the fact that oh, I'm a freaking author too. Right. Because, you know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know where I was going at that point. <laughs> that we are all human, so we're all gonna have little things in our books that way that Correct. You know. Correct, correct. Yeah, so they're they're trying to find shelter. There's not really anywhere to go. Everywhere is kind of dangerous for giving birth to a baby. Well, they're kind of on this mountain and the storm is just increasing, like where they can hardly see all the snow and the ice, you know, there's sleet. And um, there's there's, there's literally no shelter. They're on the mountain. Yeah, and it's too far to get to the safety of the trees. Mm -hmm. She won't make it. And that's when Garion says without even knowing why he said it, Garion made a shouted suggestion, what about the cave? Mm. And everybody else is confused. They don't know about any cave. You know. But then later doesn't Wolf say he kind of knew it was around here? But... Well, he's, he's like, we knew it existed, but we had forgotten. Like, we didn't think it was okay. around anymore. Like, it was almost like a myth, like a myth, it sounded like. It's, uh, first of all, I love the way that everyone just trusts Garion. Right. Like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. They just... I think they've seen enough at this point, too, to know not only is he honest, you know, they can trust his word, but he has something obviously some kind of connection to something that they don't understand. Most of them don't understand. And so they kind of probably are starting to change the way they see him. as not just a boy, but somebody who could lead them. Well, yeah. And I guess that the fact that Mr. Wolf questioned, like, like challenges him and then just then follows Gary and everyone's kind of maybe just trusting Wolf. Yeah. But he leads them around you know there's a whole long description of the mountains 
And um, this really reminded me of like when the company goes to the door of Moria. Yeah, they go when they the get uh, when they're crossing over the top of Karadras. Yeah. And they get stuck in the snow and they have to mm-hmm. turn back. Yeah. Right. So they get to the door and um, Garion seems just intuitively to know how to open it. Yes. And he pushes that white mark against it and, you know, it starts I love, to move I love open. The, I love the fact that it's not, like he pushes with, his, with that hand. But then he stops pushing and just has his hand open and the door keeps moving. And it's like not just a door. It's like they can't see the top of the door and it's wider than Faldor's farm gate. It's like massive, this iron door. And then he, he, it's, I love where he's playing with the, um, with his mark and the door. Like he, he opens the, he has his hand open, the door moves. And he closes his hand and the door stops moving. And then he opens it and he does that. And Mr. Wolf's like, just stop playing with it and open the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, typical of what a young boy would do, testing out his power. Yeah. And so they contrast the fact that Garion can open it with the fact that Barrack belts on it and pushes and he can't get it to move. And he's obviously the strongest physically of the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no, Aunt so they, Paul's the one who tells him not to play with it. Open <laughs> <laughs> it. And so they step inside and see instantly it's not a normal kind of cave. It's it looks like it's been polished all around with the floors and the walls and almost like I I imagine it's look like glass. Ah. It's so well it's so they, smooth. It, once Dernick lights his torch, then they can see. Yeah, they see, and and there's a point where the fire is bigger and it reflects off all of the walls and everything. Yes. And the... It feels like, I don't know, crystalline almost to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I really liked that visual for this whole mm-hmm. chapter. So it's this so... massive circular cave, and at, at at one end at the at the end there's like another opening where there's like a a spring a fresh water spring coming from so there's water and it's not cold like it's and as soon as Dernick lights the fire it's very it's warm and you know cozy almost this huge space yeah and they see a stone table at the center with benches and the top of the table is higher than Barrack's head. Right. So imagine, so we're talking about what Barrack looks like last week, but he's a giant, mm-hmm. a giant man. And the table is taller than his head. I love that Silk climbs up. Of course, Silk climbs right. up um, to have a look. And there are bowls of fruit, like there are seven bowls and there's fruit in the bowls. And it looks fresh, like you could eat it. And he's never seen this fruit before. <laughs> I know. That conversation was funny. Yes. Because um, it's like, well, Wolf's, Wolf's perspective is like, it's probably better to just not even test it and see what happens. He's like, but 
I always try something different. I always try new things. But I'll never know if I don't try. uh Yeah, well, probably best. And he does, he has to, it's like he's, it's like he's talking to a toddler, telling him to stop, stop, stop doing something. He sort of pulls him up a few times, like, just get down, just stop it, just get down from there. Yeah. And then the door closes on them. I don't know if that was just happenstance or did something make it close, but Garion tells them that he can open it again. They mm-hmm. don't have to worry. Garion's really calm and relaxed about the whole thing. Yeah. And then um, Wolf is asking him how he knew about the cave. It has to do with the voice in his head. And Garion is saying, no, it doesn't feel like that. I don't think the voice is even here right now. Mm-hmm. He thinks that, it, he thinks he's like, it feels like it came from me somehow. Like yeah. I just had a memory of it. Yeah. It's, 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 it, he does recognize this distinct difference between where the voice comes from when it's speaking through him and himself. And he identifies this as coming from himself. Yeah, and it's interesting because he he says it's awfully hard to explain exactly. It reminds me of how you were saying it's hard to explain some of our dreams with words. Yeah. It's like the same kind of thing. Like you can, yeah, you can see it clearly. I can see the whole scene. Mm Mm-hmm. But as soon as you try and talk about it, 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 it can't exist in words. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it seems like uh, Paul and Wolf know something about what this could be, or maybe they're just really unsure of mm-hmm. what's happening because they exchange a look um, between each other when he's he's saying all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't, I mean, the way that Wolf is genuinely just so simply curious about mm-hmm. Garion's connection, I don't think, like, I, and, and the fact that neither of them have been in the cave before, that they've, that, that Wolf at least has known, and probably Polgara too, has known that about it, about its possible existence, but that was a never, never a certain thing. So it's always, it's never been a real kind of thing to them. So I think maybe they know as little about it. Like maybe Garion actually knows more about this than they do. Mm -hmm. Like instinctively. Right. Yeah. It's very possible. Um, Then the horse starts going to labor. Hetar is like, she's about to give birth. So Aunt Paul takes Sinidra to help her. And I think Beric's with them, right? He stays with them for a while. So, yeah, look, sounds like they're all sort of, they all go in the first. Um, your, your microphone's off. I muted because there's a loud airplane. Oh, sorry. I was trying to let you just keep talking. Just, I, was, I was looking, I was the huge pause. <laughs> I was looking at going, how am I hearing her talk if her microphone's muted? And what's going on? I was a bit confused there for a second. <laughs> yeah, I'll just click mute if I hear it, like, that was loud. Yep. Yeah, so so, so they all go over to the to where the horse is labouring um, in the first instant. And then it, it, they very quickly um, realise that 
Uh, where is she? They began to work with Hetar's there, and when no, not yet. But yeah, nothing, nothing exciting has happened. The mayor's just in labour, and Barak gets very uneasy and suggests that he's going to go a little bit away and give them space. And so he mm -hmm. and Gary and Mandrell move away just a few yards and sit down. Yeah, you know, against one of the walls. And Silka and Mr. Wolf go off exploring into the back, into the rest of the chamber. But Dernick and Heta and Aunt Paul and Sinidra are there with the mayor. Okay. Yeah. And then we go into the conversation that Mandarellen has about being afraid. Like he starts, he starts trying to make a confession to Garion? Is that what he's doing? No, just to the group in general. So Barak and Mandarellen and Garion are sitting there in a group just a couple of few feet away from where Dernick and Hetar and Pol and Sinidra are. So everyone can hear everyone else. It's not a, mm -hmm. an entirely private conversation. Yeah. Um, and so even as they're talking, Garion sort of starts to go into this other space, this other... Um, energetic space the whether the cave is sort of drawing him further into its magic so he becomes kind of um he's aware of the force that's acting on him and so even though the thing with the mayor like the mayor is in labor that's happening it's immediate um the people you know his friends sitting here talking about something quite intimate that's happening but he's not really able to focus on any of that. Yeah, but we still hear the whole conversation instead, even though Garion has stepped away like mentally. Yes. <laughs> the whole thing with Beric and Mandarellen, Mandarellen just talking about, you know, being afraid, but he doesn't understand his fear yet, or he doesn't really know, you know, because he's only felt fear for the first time, I guess, recently. Yeah. So now he thinks like it was with the mud men he felt afraid. Yeah. And so now he's thinking like he's just done. Like there's no point and he shouldn't. He well, shouldn't. he's worried that it'll come back. He it hasn't it, like he hasn't felt it felt that fear again, but he's got a constant fear about the fear returning. Mm -hmm. And he's worried that it will happen in a in a in a situation and he will let his comrades down he will let his yeah. companions down and won't be able to you know step into the fray or you know he will he will be unmanned he puts it so mm -hmm. so yeah so and Dernick names it he says so you're afraid of being afraid yeah and and Mandrellen sort of it's such a foreign sensation of feeling to him He's like, but Dernick, you don't understand. And Dernick just goes, yep, you felt this, 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 and this, and this. Your belly yes. tightened up. And and Dernick's, and Mandarin's like blown away that he's described it so accurately. Because to him, Dernick is one of the bravest men he knows. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Dernick sort of explains, yeah, most men, ordinary men, are afraid almost constantly about something. Yep. And, and then um, he also, well, he also gives him a few ideas of how to work through the fear when it comes up. And yep. he says that for him, he prefers to just laugh at fear 
And I liked his description because it kind of reminded me of like the spiritual aspect of when, when you just like, it's just becoming aware of it. You're aware of the fears there. You can choose to laugh at it. He said some men like to get angry and curse at it, but either way you're becoming aware. And that's when the fear can kind of just start to go away. And it was a very spiritual kind of, Mm. you know, little passage from very explaining very dark earthy kind of magic so mandarellen is really grateful because he says you know you kind of opened my eyes to this i didn't ever consider it's just okay to be afraid yeah yeah exactly so that's fine and uh and so the mayor's having trouble her labor is not easy donick says he's going to have to turn the fault because it's in the wrong position um and so Aunt Paul's got Sinedra working on some herbs, crushing some herbs, and she's got her all of her um medicines out. And she's administering to the horse to make the labor easier. Well, Aunt Paul sends Gary and Sinedra away. Um, yes. Because she knows it's gonna get a little bit too probably yes. too much for them, and, I think. And then you know, we know what birthing is like. It's messy. Yeah. It's loud. It's painful. <laughs> yeah. And if, if Dernick's going to have to go in and turn the full around, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That. And um, so the other guys decide they want to leave too. So they follow Garion and Sinidra. So it's really just Dernick and Paul, right? Uh, they, they give birth. And Heta. Oh, and Heta's there, yeah. I, I mean, Hmm. As much as it's a stereotype and, you know, Aunt Paul looks at the two big buff warriors as they pale and back away from the, the midwifery. <laughs> she's yeah. Like, she's just like a little side-eyed, slight smile. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. Big, They're well, brave you know, warriors and they, yeah. it's they a, can't You know what life. I think that is, that whole, that whole thing? It's so like the for the for the men, it's so out of their control. There's nothing about the situation that they that they can control in any way. They can't make it better, they can't ease it. It's a process that must be gone through in its entirety. That's just how it is. And so there's all of those feelings of um powerlessness and fear and all of that stuff that typically, especially in our society, men are not comfortable feeling. Mm -hmm. So they back away from it. So, yeah. So I am hopeful that our society is sort of growing in a different direction. Seems that way. But yeah, I agree. Um, I think that's a good point. So yeah, Wolf is again telling Silk to stop stop reaching for the bloody fruit. <laughs> and um and oh this is probably worth mentioning. Like it's a it's a funny little scene, Sinedra and Wolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he wants he asks first Garion, I think, to um cut his uh sling off from where his arm was broken. And Garion's like, no way. I'm not going to go against what Aunt Paul wants, you know? 
And so he um, tries to ask Silk and Silk's like, I'm not doing that either. You know, <laughs> the, way Finally, that, the way that Silk says it though, it's like, it's just, this is just after Wolf said, you know, you got to keep yourself out of trouble because he's reaching for the fruit and so it's like you're very you're inconsistent first you tell me to stay out of trouble then you want to plonk me right into trouble by telling me to take this off your going against you know take this off your arm okay. and going against pole yeah you're not being consistent <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and so sinidra just takes the whatever tool and, and cuts it off um the knife she goes gary and gives her yeah. His knife, that's right. This is when they find out that the, the, the mare is okay, but the foal did not survive. Yeah. Sinidra has a complete like meltdown reaction to that idea. Yeah. Of like, there's not something you can do, nothing. Um, and I think it's Aunt Pole that tells us it's, it's beyond their power. Oh, because she says you're a sorceress. Why don't you do something about it? Yep. And she tells her that, that beyond that barrier, there's not much she can do. No. And so Garion, at this point, just starts moving and he knows exactly what the cave expects of him. Mm. And so, like before, when he became distracted and moved into that other energetic space, he was aware that something was coming that was required of him that he would have to do and he was this was him getting prepared to do that and so the shift into an altered state of consciousness i think is very well done in preparation for this next thing that he's required to do so that it's like he's stepping through these uh, and it's like an some kind of initiation and I think it, I, th I think it's cool that it is him alone. It's not under the instruction of Pole or Wolf or anyone else. This is him taking instruction from his deeper self, from that connection with the greater universe, the gods, the prophet, whatever. It's not even the prophecy. I think it's deeper than that. So this is his self-initiation into this bigger world, which, and I think this is a really good time for that to happen. But he just, he walks over to Heta and asks for the little, asks for the, the cult. And he takes the limp little body over in front of the fire and sets the cult down and just sort of whispers over the body, you know, Breathe. Puts his hand on the little on the on the shoulder of the horse. You know, pushes, pushes. Just breathe. And Heta saying, "No, we tried that. It's not going to work." And hmm, Garion starts to gather his will. And of course, Aunt Paul feels that. Mm -hmm. And she gets more firm in her. Don't do that, Garion. It's not yeah. possible and you'll hurt yourself if you try. Right. You know, but Garion's too far into this other space and he, he's not listening to her because the cave is speaking more loudly. So mm -hmm. this is where he's trusting himself. And that's a big shift away from the maternal figure 
that he's trusted and counted on and obeyed his whole life till now. And now, you know, there have been other moments, but not as complete as this one, this total trusting of himself and knowing that this is what he has to do. Yeah. And then, so did you want to talk? Uh, just adding in that Mr. Wolf even tells Aunt Paul that it's too late now. Just He's already committed himself to it. Yeah. So it seems like he understands, you know, what's happening. And Garion just continues to do the same thing until the foal starts to move and come to life and stands up. And it and seems as the, like... As, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, once the, he, the, the foal is awake, it seems like he's instantly bonded mm. to Garion. And he has the white mark on his yeah, where shoulder where he pressed pushing. on him. Because he was a total dark brown color. Right. And um, now he's got this, this white incandescent mark on one of his shoulders. But like as the cult came, just before he shuddered and quivered and started breathing, there was a sound that rang through the cave like a bell had been struck somewhere deep in the mountain. So mm-hmm. there was... The, the, Garion wasn't there doing this by himself. He was under yeah. the guidance of something greater than himself. Yeah. Um, and it, it was part of... It was part of the magic. And so, I mean, this... this it's important later. I can't talk about it now. Um, but we we will hopefully I will remember to talk about <laughs> it like way way later. Yeah, um, I think it's 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 in the next series of books, the Mallorian, mm. when this becomes relevant. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. Right now, all I can assume is that they're in a cave where the gods used to hang out, so that maybe it was their guidance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I reckon it's even beyond them. It just feels so deep and profound, that whole... Like, even like help assistance from the gods feels like it would be mundane compared to what this, what has just happened. Maybe so. <laughs> so anyway, end of chapter. Yep. What's the magic? magic? Oh, <laughs> we both <laughs> at the same time. Um, okay, I'll go first. So my magic is Garion finding the right spot on the iron door to open it, and the way it's described is he feels a slight uh, tingle or something when his mm-hmm. hand you know, gets to the right spot, it feels a bit different. And um, I, well, that's my magic. And I, I was, I, I was going to connect that to, a, I'll actually might connect that to a personal insight. I'll, I'll, I'll use that for my personal insight, actually, because it feels relevant. Okay. <laughs> no, because we didn't uh, talk about this particular thing. Oh, okay. Although we can, maybe I'll have to. Okay. So, What's your magic? <laughs> uh, I just chose the reflection of the fire off of the walls. 
the stone walls in them. I thought that would be pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. So what is this connection? (laughs) So my real life relating. (laughs) Is that sensation that Garion felt like when he knew he was over the right spot? It sounded really the same as the way that I find hot spots on people if I'm doing energy healing or if I'm looking for a particular crystal that will help me and I just run my hand over the top of my bunch of, and I go, oh yeah, that's the one because it feels, I can feel the, I can't tell you what it is, but I, I'm like, I recognize that that's the one. It's like a sensation that I feel. Mm-hmm. And especially, but, but especially if I'm doing hands-on healing with someone. Yeah. I can feel the hot spots where I, the attention is needed or being called. <clears throat> um, but my other real life relating, the original one I had was that I was connected with Gary and feeling completely drained after bringing the cult back to life. Like it talks about him just being shattered and going and splashing himself with cold water from the, the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it just felt particularly relevant because I'm attempting to simultaneously bring to life too many things at the moment uh, because I feel called to do so. The cave is calling me to do so. And I just, uh, you know, which voice is my ego and which voice is goddess though? That's, that's my dilemma. That's funny. That's exactly like what my prophecy is about. My question. Okay. As I'm feeling the same exact thing of inspired to do all these things, but then I'm kind of like, well, hold on. (laughs) But is this my ego, like trying to get in the way again of just focusing on the one thing? Or am I really being guided to this? I don't know. What's your personal (laughs) insight? Mine is, um, oh, when the warriors, I say warriors, (laughs) like, they have to leave the birthing scene because it gets too much for them. They, they just feel a little queasy. Mm-hmm. They don't want to watch it. And Aunt Pole stays, you know, I mean, Hedtar stays too, but Aunt Pole stays and she's the one I think in Darnik helps with the birthing. But it just reminded me of a moment um, when my youngest, I think she was probably like four when this happened, uh, but she decided to wrap her finger around the blind string string of the blinds on the window and it was like this and then she thought she'd she'd be able to swing (gasps) and she jumped (laughs) i was in the kitchen i i I didn't realize she had wrapped her finger and i saw her jump and then i just heard this horrific sound come from her Uh, her it was a terrible thing to look at her finger thankfully it was almost detached but didn't the bone stayed so had she literally skinned her finger bone? <laughs> Just in the areas where the, the thing. So she had this like strange design of skin just dug in Ugh. in a spiral. In a spiral. Oh my God. She's only like four. She's freaking out. She's pale. I pick her up and then her dad comes in and it's like, you know, he's like, what's happening? What's happening? He sees it. His reaction made her freak out even more yeah and so i had to say you need to go (laughs) let me take care of this and i get queasy but when there's nobody else 
and it's my child. Yeah, you just kind of get on with it. I find that I, I take care of it. The yeah. queasiness doesn't even come in that moment. So. No, it doesn't. It comes later. <laughs> <laughs> I just like her, her, the noises coming from her creating much more fear in me than anything. Mm. I was like, okay, what are we going to do? And like, I, I had all the stuff, thankfully just rapid and put ice and I had her lay down. And then I called my mom because she's a nurse and I'm like, uh-huh. perfect. probably come look at this. So I need to take her to the emergency room. <laughs> yeah, probably come look at this. <laughs> and so we decided, no, we just let it heal. And it did. But that was, yeah, that was an intense moment. And if oh. I found that it's not the first time, even when I was giving birth, I, he couldn't really handle it very well. It's my mom. And I think that's common for men though. I've heard, I think it was my friend, her husband passed out while she was in labor. I'm like, yeah. why are you good? Don't even go look then. Yeah. Just sit at her head and be there for her. Why do you have to go watch what's happening? <laughs> you know? <laughs> The nurse is taking care of that. The doctor's taking care of that. They don't yeah. need you down there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, uh-huh. that's it. Okay. So, oh, prophecy speaks. question for prophecy oh hang on let me check last week i said i was going to check in all right where is this path of specialist consulting taking me so the answer that i got last week was it opened my awareness to the fact that my work is valuable and it's okay for me to ask for payment for Mm -hmm. the work that I do, not just the consulting work. Right. That was where that was taking me. So that, that feels significant enough by itself, just by itself. That feels huge. And it feels like it ties into me wanting to step back from, uh, I got to course in miracles more fully because I am burned out there and stop forcing myself in, to that just knowing and and i'm much more comfortable with the idea of charging money for that program next year because it's right huge program Mm -hmm. so that that and that was something that i was very very uncomfortable about i was not settled at all but now i feel very like that's fine that's just what i'll that that's just will be how it is and I feel comfortable about that. And that was like the last little part of that. So that was what that was all about, I think. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think, yeah, just uh, now and moving forward, you'll understand your value. Anytime you're going to provide value, it's mm. okay to ask money in exchange. It's yeah. exchange of value. It's, what it is it's interesting that i have this crash this week um and feel like i can't do anything and i really like it's forcing my it's really forcing me to step back from stuff i have to it's i just i'm not capable of it 
So it's almost like, well, we you need a little bit of an extra push to just come, just step away from this and stop feeling like, um, um, you know, you don't have to, I don't have to pressure myself so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. So my question this week is what must I do to heal my hand? So I was talking about my hand burning. Right. That started because of, well, not <laughs> because of, but it started at the same time. As I accepted you took the that... consulting position. So it's like yeah. a tendonitis in my right hand. Um, so what must I do to heal my hand? The book I'm using is called Bitter Fruit. It's by Ahmad Dangor. Sorry if I pronounced your name incorrectly, dude. Um, so. Repeating verbatim conversations that he had had with his wife, Julian reported to his close friends just how tense things were at home. Silas always responded sympathetically, saying in his mind that he understood because he too lived with a person whose whole sense of the future was made up of a series of anxieties, but never dared to actually talk out loud about his relationship with Linda. The two men ended up nodding to each other in silent solidarity, their sorrows no longer in need of articulation. Kate was more challenging. It had been rumored that Julian was gay and Kate said she had sensed it herself. She had confronted him about it. He should face the truth and tell it, she urged Julian, for his sake, as well as Val's. Silas, who had been subjected to Kate's merciless brand of truthfulness, knew how difficult it was to live normally in the aftermath of having told an enormous truth. But then Kate had never lived a normal life, he rationalised. Okay. It does feel like I need to tell an enormous truth and I'm afraid of telling it. I'm afraid of the mm-hmm. aftermath. Even though I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'll be supported in my decision. The thing that I'm afraid of is missing out of coming back to myself and being having energy once again and feeling like I've missed a whole lot of conversations and interaction and connection because I've had to pull back. That's the thing I'm afraid of. Not, not the not having support because I know that I'll be supported. Yeah. So it's interesting today. My self care was all about fear of missing out. I had a big FOMO self-counselling session and Drew painted painted my way through it. Yeah. And that, maybe the reason it, it all started with your hand when you accepted that job was that was also a fear of missing out of, in some ways. Oh, definitely was. But, you know, it's, it's just a process of... Um, I find this, but I actually have a visceral reaction if I try to go out too much and connect with other people. 
Mm. There's, there's something really good with deep connections and everybody connects on different levels. For me, I have to do it one-on-one and it has to be deep and personal. Um, but you know, I think your stuff with, with social media as well could be, I feel like you're kind of being pulled towards back towards yourself as the, the number one, like, like in the spiritual texts everywhere, it says, make your number one relationship that between yourself and your source or your highest self or whatever you want to call it. And it's not as easy to do that when you're always out just connecting with other people all the time, which is still a beautiful thing, but it has to come second after you've connected to yourself. Yeah. So that's what I must do to heal my hand. <laughs> and it'll be okay. Tell You'll the big see truth. that it is. It'll be okay. It will. I think it's just the initial putting it out. Once you have it out of here, I think it'll, it'll feel a lot different inside of you. Yeah. Because, you know, like you said, it's not about the support because you know that'll be there. It's just about how you don't want to miss out. But I think that sensation will subside simply by just speaking that truth. Mm, okay. I forget this cover is on backwards. What's I never question? fix it. So I have a relationship in my life. It is not a romantic one. It is with a woman that is platonic. But um, recently, I've been getting feelings of resistance in me of certain paths we've, we've agreed to. And I want to know if this resistance is telling me maybe, maybe just speak up and say, I'm not really feeling it anymore, that what we talked about. Or um, is it something else, the resistance, and then maybe I can still just keep moving forward as we had planned, but the resistance maybe is just like ego gate. Like with my writing last time, I thought it was higher guidance, but no, it was really just my ego trying to be like the easy way out. (laughs) It's kind of the same question, just around a different area, I guess. Okay. I'm using... Queen of the Tearling by Erica Johansson. <clears throat> I've never read this book either, so. Um, Javel stared blankly. Beside Thorn, the woman Brenna let out a high-pitched squealing laugh, a sound like rusted hinges. I dosed your shot, gate guard. If you don't get the antidote from me in about 10 minutes, you'll die in agony. Javel looked down at his empty shot glass. Could Thorn have slipped something in there? Yes, while Javel was busy staring at the cursed albino. Thorn wasn't lying. One only had to look into his eyes, blue ocean rimmed with ice, to know he was telling the truth. Javel glanced at the albino and found that she was... Gazing adoringly at Thorn, her opaque pink eyes locked on his face. You know, the worst thing about having my job, Thorn asked, no one understands that it's business. That's all it is. Fifteen times in my memory, people have tried to ambush the shipment somewhere between New London and the Mort border. 
they usually just, they usually try it just after the end of the Crith, where there's nothing but grassland for about a million miles around. Okay, that's confusing me because I don't know this world. <laughs> um, he just says, I've been able to simply talk them out of their foolishness. It was easy to do and I didn't punish them. <laughs> Okay, what are you getting? No, I feel like I just got everything in that last thing I said. That I can just have a conversation with her and um, talk it out. And that there's no need for me to like feel like I'm making her feel bad in any way because that's not my intention. Mm -hmm. You're it's not just poisoning simply... her. You're not dosing her cup. <laughs> True. Just stating my truth. <laughs> of how I'm feeling about some of the things we've talked about mm -hmm. and see what happens. What's your No, I'm really sweaty. So I keep like lifting the back of my shirt up to get air <laughs> ah, okay. and I'm trying to keep myself from leaning on the leather suit. Ah, okay we're nearly done sweaty Betty <laughs> okay what's your prediction for the next chapter hmm well last well, I was really off last time um, but this week I think that they may begin to, the rest of them will continue to maybe treat Garion differently, act differently around him after what they witnessed him do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that Garion could possibly leave the cave very much changed in some ways. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe he won't realize it at first, but to then I, I hope that they're going to arrive at the veil. <laughs> we'll okay. see. Cool. Yeah. All right. Hashtag. You choose. Don't touch the fruit. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that in. Don't touch the fruit. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Darling listeners, thank you for hanging out with us for this whole episode. If you would like to use the hashtag in any, like anywhere, social media or whatever, that would be a lot of fun. The hashtag yes. is don't touch the fruit. Mm -hmm. And um, you will find all the extended show notes and links to all the things on our website, belgariadandbeyond.goddesskindled.com. You can head over there and check it out and sign up to our mailing list while you're there. You'll get a, an email every week to let you know when the episode comes out and, you know, if we have any special announcements, you will be the first to know. You can leave a voice message for us, which is super fun and no one's done it for ages, but there will be a link in the show notes for you to do that. Take that little hashtag, don't touch the fruit and head over to Instagram and Facebook. We are at Belgariad and beyond. And you can email belgariadandbeyond at gmail.com with any questions and comments or just stories or, you know, whatever. That would be great. 
and this show is an indie production. So the best way for you to show your support is to become a patron. You can get access to bonus episodes of Before the Show at our first tier. That's $2 patronage. And then full uncut video episodes where you get to really peek behind the curtain at all of our gestures and facial expressions and everything if you're a $5 patron. And so you can find out more at patreon.com forward slash Belgariad and beyond. There will be a link in the show notes. Yes. That's all awesomeness. You do that so much better than I could. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? The whole outro piece, all the information. It's like a song. It's like singing a song. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is like a melody. So, yeah, so thanks for sticking with us, darlings. We'll be back again next week. Yep. See you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.